Episode number 10. Who would have thunk I got past one? I mean, <laughs> fingers and toes, buddy. That's all I've got. So anyhow, I am Mick. Thanks for hanging out with us here. We're coming to you from the Chateau Louise Bar and Restaurant. It's a great place to come and grab a bite to eat. Also, plenty to drink. You know, wet your whistle. And, of course, the folks here are nothing but the best here at Chateau Louise. They treat you like gold. And they are wonderful folks here. So be sure to come out here and tell them you heard about it on the Cherokee Rewind. Again, I am Mick. My guest this week, uh, of course, we had brothers, the brothers Pogorski earlier, and it worked out so well having brothers on that I decided to do it again. And this time, though, I have the brothers Pisani coming in here to sit with us and got Dominic and Michael. And gentlemen, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. Happy that, to be here. That's Mike. Yeah, good, good, Mick. Thanks for the invite to the pod. I've uh, been listening to it since it started and love hearing all the old hockey stories that we can. So yeah, That's always a good thing. That's Dominic. And, of course, you know, the thing is, boys, uh, you guys, uh, what years did you play for the Cherokee? What were the seasons? Oh, gosh. Uh, it would have been the 13-14 uh, and 14-15. Yeah, but. Before the junior Cherokee, we had played for the pre-post team, the U14 team, etc. And I was thinking about it on the way up here. Ever since Kenny Miller had came back to the Cherokee, I think that we were close to his most tenured players uh, other than Will Bennett. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he coached our U14 team there for a little while. So uh, I, th I think he coached us every year coming up to when we played at juniors in some sort of capacity pre-post. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, my goodness, that's, that's saying a lot. I mean, that guy, of course, his his record speaks for itself, not only with the Cherokee, but his time up in Alpena, Marquette, and, you know, all, all the other stuff he did prior to that. And it just uh, tips your hat to what kind of a great guy and a great coach he is. So um, let's talk here uh, about uh, getting your start. And, of course, it all goes back to a guy who we love dearly and miss tremendously, and that's your dad, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the, getting your start and being put in skates. Yeah, I think it was actually our dad would tell us a story all the time. It was our grandparents that had bought us, like, our first, I don't know, mini hockey stick at Christmas one, one time. And me and Mike would just go around whacking each other with them all the time. And our parents had thought, wow, we better get these kids on some skates. and Look, free uh, weapons. <laughs> yeah. Ne never went back all the way down to the old uh, sports complex down there where we started IP skating around with the wooden chairs and we have a ton of pictures and i just remember going in there and you, you get that nostalgic uh the smell of the old sports arena everyone knew where they were when they uh took in that kerosene and gasoline so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's where that's where it started uh grandpa and grandma then mom and dad just uh helped us out dad knew how to skate a little bit uh threw us on those wooden chairs and then uh after the sports complex, we learned to skate. We went up to Monroe uh, at the Monroe Multi-Sports Complex, no longer around. Yeah. Uh, and then we played there probably until, uh, what would have been, eighth grade. Yep. And then um, we ended up at the Cherokee our freshman year of high school. Wow. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a good history lesson, man. Going from the old sports arena on one main street. Yep, absolutely. All, all the way to through Monroe, which is where the Cherokee played a couple seasons there, back at the 2000 2001 season. I didn't even know that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, we were just that would have been our mini mite season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't remind me how old I am. Uh, I, I, we felt like traitors though when we went from uh, Monroe to the Cherokee because growing up we were always rivals. Oh, with of course. Them. 
So uh, was almost, it the Monroe Icehawks? Yeah, 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 the Icehawks. So we, we felt a little bit like traitors that our, our team dispersed because a lot of our kids went to play high school. So Dom and I didn't want to play high school at that point yet. So we ended up coming down to Cherokee, and it, it was weird because we had some guys from the Ann Arbor team come down. We had a couple guys from Cherokee team. We had a couple guys from one of the Sylvania teams come over. So it was like a, a hodgepodge of everybody growing up that played in the area ended up on one team. Wow. Now, you, you know, looking at that, um, talk about the, uh, you know, you talk about how your, your, your grandparents and then your parents get really got you into hockey. Um, what was it? I mean, were they, what was it that drove them for uh, the, their love? Where, where did they develop their love of the game? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, my dad, he got involved in it somehow, and uh, he was helping coach a team. And then he was the only guy who knew how to skate. And uh, I don't know if you know the Bockley brothers. I don't know if they were Cherokee guys or not. Didn't Nick play? I think Nick played. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe not. They, they were Bedford guys, but my dad ended up uh, just, I guess, inheriting a coaching job for them when they were young. And so he, he got into it. He was a big Red Wings fan. He never played growing up. Um, but then he started... IP. He helped out with IP. He was on the board uh, with the Ice Hawks organization for quite some time. Wow. And then he coached all our teams growing up. So it was just something that, that we enjoyed. We played all the sports. We played baseball. We played uh, soccer, hockey. Not, never played football, but I think it was just the one that, that we always enjoyed that was never really a chore going to. So, uh, it was, and I mean, I'd like to think when we were younger, we were good at it. I mean, if we were still good, we'd still be playing, but... Um, <laughs> so I, I think it was the one that we were best at and the one we enjoyed the most. So we, and we just stuck with it, and and mom and dad enjoyed it as well. So speak for yourself there. You can check my hockey DB. I got some stat lines up there, <laughs> especially my second year in the NA three. But not a big deal. Um, <laughs> I I think the other thing that was pretty unique growing up throughout the hockey community because Toledo is pretty height, uh, tight knit hockey community. Our dad always knew like some of the Storm players, like some of the older guys, like Bruce McDonald or Rick Judson. Um, and then he was good friends with Nick Perlow and Taylor Raska for a long time as well. So it was always fun hearing some of the stories that those guys had about our dad all the time. Yeah, no question. And, of course, you know, like I said, we, we, the thing I, you know, honestly, my introduction to your family, you know, yeah, Steve, just from going to the games. You know, seeing him in the stands, going nuts, cheering you guys on, going crazy. Mm-hmm. But your grandpa, <laughs> that guy. Shoot the puck. Shoot it. Oh, hit him. Hit so him. What, Ice it. <laughs> yeah, he just loved yelling. And one of my favorite stories uh, about him was we have some family members that live down in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And he was down there visiting them one summer. And it happened to be the same weekend of Hockey Night in Boston, which was uh, – a high-level showcase at the time out on the East Coast that we had qualified for, and we went through the round-robin play, and it turned out our team was actually pretty good. And we made it to the quarterfinal game as the number one seed in the entire tournament. And we're thinking, wow, like, this is pretty legit. Our grandpa actually bought tickets from Atlanta to fly up to Boston to watch us, and he spent the night in the hotel with us. And the next day, we freaking lost to like the worst team in the tournament, <laughs> two to one, and I have no idea how it happened. I mean, we just we were out working this team, out shooting this team, but it was funny. He just loved it that much. He bought a plane ticket to fly up and and watch and be with us. So that was pretty cool. Man, oh man, 
Yeah, they didn't miss many games, that's for sure. Uh, I, th I think maybe one time it was a 13-hour drive that, that Dad and Grandpa maybe didn't go to. But other than that, yep. I think they were at most every game. My goodness, that's 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 the love of, of family, you know? Yep. And, and the other thing, too, is I, from a personal greedy standpoint on my, my end was uh, every year during the reverse raffle era, when we brought the reverse raffle back, mm -hmm. uh, I think your grand grandfather had uh, season tickets to the Red Wings, so he would donate tickets as as a prize, as a raffle prize. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think a uh, couple of years in a row, I won it. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. So I was like, oh, my God, this is hilarious because, I mean, you know, and the seats were wonderful. Yeah. You know, he had yeah. great seats and stuff, so it's not like, you know. Uh, we were up in the up in the roof. I mean, mm -hmm. we, I mean, they were beautiful, great, great view, great God, seats. God. Yeah, we we were fortunate growing up uh, to be a big hockey family, and a lot of our our childhood life was uh, revolved around it because we would go to like the big chill games outdoors, Michigan versus Michigan State. We'd go to a couple of Red Wings games a year. We went to a lot of Toledo uh, Storm and Toledo Walleye games growing up, though. Oh man, that's awesome. So we're here with Dominic and Mike, Michael Bassani, and uh, boys, let me, uh, let's talk about you guys now playing in a Cherokee uniform. Um, talk about some of the guys that you played with uh, when, you, when you first got there and what it was like making the transition from, uh, you know, being uh, in the, in through, going through the travel system and then making the jump to juniors. That had to be a little bit of an adjustment, I would think. Yeah, I think uh, when we got to the point of coming seniors in high school, we were we were in this uh, weird situation. You know, we, we'd played two years of high school hockey. Uh, at that point, we were out of the the 16s. Uh, we were into the 18s, but uh, as you know, there's not many U18 teams around or as big of a competition in that space, unless maybe uh, AAA. But by that a lot of the guys are making the move to junior so I think just being local uh, knowing Kenny coached us for a few years um, we knew him and we had a conversation with him and said hey we, we'd really like to play and he said all right well we'll come on out we'll, we'll see what you guys look like out here and it was nice uh, a lot of the guys growing up were 96s so the 95s like uh, Turner, Bogart, Zalecki we, we had known those guys really before coming into the program so it uh, wasn't like we were coming into a, a team that we didn't know anybody in, but through that there was a – well, we knew the Pogorskis too, obviously, yeah. being Bedford guys as well. But there, there wasn't too, too many guys that we didn't know on the team. So I, I think it was an easy transition, and that was just at the point we decided we wanted to change our level of play from one style to another, and uh, I think it was an easy transition. Yeah, definitely. The The biggest teaching point and adult point I remember was going from playing high school hockey, traveling with family, etc. Um, and we ended up actually going on our first road trip. And it was me and Brett Pogorski rooming in a room together. And I was pretty excited. I'm like, oh, you know, Brett's my buddy. We've known each other for a long time. And lo and behold, we were going to Pittsburgh to play this game. And uh, the day before, we get this new kid at practice. And I'm like, all right, this guy looks like he's a man. He's 21 years old. He's got long hair, big beard, just looks like an absolute thug. He looked like he is straight out of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. That's what he looked <laughs> he like. He did, he did. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I hope I don't have to room with this guy. And lo and behold, this guy gets put in our room, and me and Brett, uh, the, the individual we're talking about is Hudson Saban. 
Oh, if you know Hudson, yes. great guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we were sitting there like on the bus. We're like, dude, we got a room with this guy. Like this guy looks pretty scary. And again, it was like my first time away from home without parents because uh, I was still in high school. And I was like, oh, my God, like I got a room with this guy. Like I'm terrified. And obviously, <laughs> turns out Hudson was the, the biggest sweetheart. And he's just such a good guy, down to earth human being. But it was uh, it was definitely a reality shock from going from just you know playing some basic high school hockey to to junior hockey and seeing where some Captain of these guys Caveman shows from. up on your doorstep <laughs> <laughs> definitely mm. yeah he was a unit <laughs> now how about for you Mike how, how, what was the what was your transition and introduction like I mean as far as uh, with roommates and things like that yeah so I I got lucky um I was rooming with Dom Antonelli and we we grew up with uh Dom Antonelli's younger cousins, so I, I'd known him um, just through, through playing up in the, in the Monroe system, and uh, Bogey was our roommate as well, and you know, Bogey, he's a big guy, he was uh, pretty quiet, pretty tame, so I, I was like, I could never get a read on him, and when we first got in the room, me, me and Dom Antonelli are there, and Bogey's like, threw his stuff on the bed, he said, this is mine, that's yours, and I said, <laughs> okay, sounds good, and uh, so me, me and Dom Antonelli, uh, laid in bed together, but but in the same sense, uh, Dom Antonelli and Brett Pogorski were really good buddies. So when Brett got scared of a uh, Hudson, he came in room with us. So it was almost three guys do a bed while Bogey <laughs> had his own bed. Nice. But um, no, it, it was good. I I, I think uh, the culture in the locker room was good. A lot of the guys were were close friends. So I, I think that's important coming into a team. There wasn't really any specific clicks and and they were uh they were good leaders in the program them being in the system and and juniors a year themselves before it made the transition easy because they'd say hey you know i know this worked back in the day but you got to focus on this here you got to do this and again when when you're out on the road you you, kenny ray he always said uh, it's a business trip right so uh those guys just just following their lead knowing that it's a business trip was a, a big adjustment, but I think uh, one that was important in having some of those older guys in the locker room. And the, the one thing that I do want to point out, too, about going into junior hockey is how, how can you forget about Mo? I mean, having an awesome <laughs> equipment manager along the way, having your ditch washed every single day, I was like, oh, man, I feel like I'm living in paradise playing hockey. But uh, Mo is a great guy, and he, 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 he helped a lot transition as well because he was always structured and doing what he was doing, so... That's always a good thing, and Mo is a great guy. I've known Mo for more years than I care to acknowledge, but uh, <laughs> definitely a good guy. So, all right, so who were uh, who were you guys played up front? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, did you mostly play all together all the time, or did they break you up? Yeah, we were, we were pretty much utility players our first year of, yeah, you know, pick and choose where you're going to put us on, on the up front line. I mean, couple games first line couple games second line couple games third line couple games fourth line I think once we got in in the flow of chemistry we really just saw who we were playing with and what we were doing and uh, for for the most part I I don't know why it it makes it seem like that but uh, Austin Turner's coming to my mind him and I had played together a lot because we were both opposite handed wings and we were thrown together all the time with uh, whoever the center could be wow how about for you Mike yeah, I I don't remember uh, specifically who I played with. I was uh, I, I was more of a third fourth line guy though. I never quite broke the top of the lineup. Uh, just goes to my style of play. Uh, I think I was relied on a little more to be uh, shut down 
as opposed to go out there and score goals and just make sure the top guys are getting a little rest and make sure we're taking their top guys out of the game. But uh, to the question, did we play together a lot? No. Um, we, we, I, I think right when we got in the Cherokee organization, that's when we started splitting up playing on the same line. Um, and even, even through today or through, through, I guess, our last years of hockey, really never being on the same line. Dom kind of found his, uh, his role and his niche in the game, and I, find, I found mine. So um, two different types of players fitting in two different uh, parts of the system, I think. It was hilarious because, yeah, we definitely had two different play styles, and Mike was the guy to go rile everyone up and slash them on the back of the legs or <laughs> whatever. And these, these guys would start hunting me down and cross-check me in the back and say, I know it was you slashing me earlier, and they'd say some choice words to me, and I'm like, dude, come on, I'm out here playing hockey. Like, you're thinking about my twin brother, go fight him. Exactly. I was going to say, that was the thing, because I remember you being a crap disturber. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah, (laughs) you you did it very well. And then, you know, Dominic, I mean, was that a common thing where people mistook you for your brother and would give you most of the, most of the, uh, most of the crap oh my goodness countless times i remember like lining up next to the face off and dude just giving it to me in my ear about like you suck this like f you that i'm like dude come on man like you got the wrong guy like look out for number 18 he's the one out there that's doing all the stuff not me what number did you wear i think i was eight for the cherokee okay yeah so eight and 18 yep yep Yeah, so and uh, yeah, it was pretty eight and eighteen, right? If they didn't catch the uh, the one pretty small sliver on the back of the jersey there, and uh, we were actually grabbing lunch or breakfast with uh, Tyler Dalton from the Junior Jacks. Uh, we just became good friends with him th- through the business world, and we were having uh, breakfast, and he ad- attributed the same thing. He said, "Oh, I remember all the guys dunks and you guys and." You know, you, you, your brother would go out there and, and they'd, they'd go after the other one just because they didn't know who to go after. And they're like, Pazani, Pazani. And I, I think I got lucky. I, I don't think I had to ring the bell, but maybe once or twice in the league, uh, you know, to pay for my own actions because they'd just be going after Dom the whole time and, and he wouldn't fight anyone. Did, but, uh, did you ever get into a fight, Dom, at all? Yeah, I got I got in one fight and it was at the showcase in uh, Chicago and this reminds me of a Pagorski story as well, but we were in a showcase in Chicago. Dunks got hurt this game. We were playing Twin City. Cheap shot at him. He was on a breakaway. We weren't happy about that. So Dunks, by the way, Brody Duncan. Yeah, and I, I went and absolutely just crushed this kid along the wall. He got up and baseball swung my leg, so I turned around and dropped him. And, I mean, it wasn't much of a fight. The guy was probably five foot seven, and, I mean, yeah. e- even at 17 years old, I mean, I was – 5'11", you know, 6 foot, 195, 200 pounds. So it, it, it wasn't much of a fight for me because <laughs> he just turtled right away. I was like, come on, man. Like, you're going to you're gonna two-hand me, then turtle. Um, but that, that was probably the only, like, true altercation I got. And I mean, I had a couple people ask, but uh, I don't know. Like, just not not right points and times of the game when we're up by a big lead or when I, when I would start asking people, you know. Um, it, it wasn't like our first year in the league. The first year in the league, I – I wasn't necessarily going out there to fight anyone, but uh, after that, after I got my feet under me, um, when we were some of the older guys, I mean, again, there were some big guys in the NA3, but me and Mike were 
two of the bigger guys as well. So whenever someone saw us, I don't think they really wanted to answer the bell. Except for Straub. Straub oh. asked me to fight. I said, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> he was at that Pittsburgh Vengeance. He was huge. Oh, but, my God. Uh, How tall was he? He was oh, like 6'5", yeah. six, six maybe. 6'5", yeah. 245. Oh. That guy was a unit. <laughs> <laughs> we all used to come back to the bench, and we'd be like, Dun- <laughs> hey, if Straub's out there, don't dump the puck. Just skate it in and try not to get hit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Now, you talk about you were talking about some of the stories that you could tell and stuff. What were some of the some of the ones arable for for, for listening, of course. Yeah, but uh, there had to be some really good stories when you because I mean the chemistry you talk about chemistry is important to a team, mm-hmm. and from what I remember, that team really had a good chemistry, a good solid mix of players. It wasn't just all one type of player. It was di- uh, just a, a good, solid mix of, of different types of skill sets that blended into making one really good team. Yeah. I uh, One of the funny stories that sticks in my mind is uh, we, we just got swept uh, by Metro after a weekend, and it was coming close to playoff time, and, and Kenny and T.O. just were not too happy. Well, Kelly Miller, he was just getting back into coaching and stuff, so... Uh, Kenny, you know, he's like, oh, we need to change it up. So Kelly coached one of our practices for us. Well, he we went out on the ice. Uh, it was it was only cones, no pucks. And when we went out on the ice, the, the PA system was playing, and Kelly had his phone hooked up. And he was playing EDM, like EDM power hour for the whole hour while he power <laughs> skated yeah. like it was a club or something. So that, that, was, that was a pretty funny story, but that, that got the boys riled up. Another one that comes to mind is uh, Zach Armstrong, Army, we used to call him. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, I love Army. <laughs> uh, I, there, there was an NHL player that uh, I think it might have been P.K. Subban, right, when they started uh, – you know, getting into the media world, and he he would read the lineup card off for uh, for the team, and uh, Army really got into it, and he had like funny jokes reading the reading the lineup off. But the the game prior, Aaron Roshinsky uh, got in a fight. It wasn't Metro; it was Flint. Oh, it was Flint. So Aaron Roshinsky got in a fight. And he got one punch. So Army's announcing the team and the starting lineup, and he goes, "Aaron Roshinsky, one punch, pack of lunch." <laughs> and uh, so, so it was funny when, when, when he was getting the lineup. So I, I, I think uh, you know that, that those are some of the uh, you know podcast appropriate stories that, that stick yeah. out in my well, mind. Well, if, you, if you can paraphrase to dance around some things, sure, I'm, sure, I'm good with that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pass that down, and I'll think of a few more. I'm sure. Uh, what, what I think of most is we're just all a pretty uh, tight-knit group of guys our first and second year. I think like our Thursday after practice ritual was we would go to Pizza Primo and we get like 10 guys because they had a pizza buffet. So we'd always go there and hang out and just, you know, have, have fun times, you know, spend two or three hours there. And by the time we realized after our 4 p.m. practice, it was like 8 o'clock. We're like, oh, man, some of us got school in the morning before, before, <laughs> before, before the road trip. Yeah, so. We did that a lot. The other thing that we did, we uh, we had a lot of poker nights and just hung out uh, a lot. We all played video games together too. So, I mean, we were always connected, just hanging out with each other. I mean, during the season, we were we were always best of friends. But there's always like the one or two practical jokes that make you a bit closer throughout the throughout the time that you're together. But one of the funniest ones. It's not really a practical joke. It was more of just something that I was like, I can't believe that happened. So uh, we we were playing Southern Tier. Uh, at a home and home and on Friday night we just crushed them and Saturday they came back and it was like you know one to one right at the end of the second period huge fight broke out we go down five five on three and we just get 
peppered the rest of the game. I think we lost nine to one, and wow. coaches were not happy. And, and poor Glenn Bates was in that. <laughs> this was like Thanksgiving break, two weeks Glenn. before Christmas. So <laughs> we had Secret Santa come up, and whoever had Glenn for Secret Santa got him a thank you card from Southern <laughs> Tier. <laughs> that, was, yeah, that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, so that was like that. Wow. Was, yeah, that was a good that Secret is Santa good. gift. I felt bad for Glenn too because some whoever gave him the Southern Tier gift card, Glenn had me for. Secret Santa, you got me like this nice $100 polo cologne set. <laughs> wow. Glenn got a thank you card because he let in nine goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that cold, man. Yeah. That's just cold. Yeah. Uh, another one, uh, it was uh, it was our second year in, in the league, so we would have been some of the older guys on the team. And uh, it was a big game uh, coming down the stretch, getting trying to get into playoffs. And uh, – Dom, I think he was on second line, or yeah, I think it might have been a second unit power play, and him and uh, Kyle Romy were on the ice. <laughs> and, uh, oh, <laughs> you, you like this story? <laughs> no, I and, don't. Uh, <laughs> poor Kyler. Uh, Dom, yeah. Dom gets the puck to him, throws it back to Kyler. Kyler <laughs> missed the puck. Some guy went down on a breakaway and almost scored. And after the game, we ended up winning, so it was all fine. But <laughs> T.O. comes in the locker room, T.O. Todd Omi, Kyler's dad. He's like, Tom, what the hell are you thinking? You're passing it to the kid who's half blind in his feet. <laughs> yeah. got, got some good laughs out of the locker room. But yeah. the, man, man yeah. he, put, he put his own kid under I the know, bus? Yeah, 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 he put him in a blender with that one. <laughs> Holy Th- cow. Thankfully, we won that game. I felt pretty bad because, like, I didn't send him <laughs> the greatest pass, but, like, it, it was playable for a hockey play, but – it was just like from the start of the face-off, they went down. <laughs> Goalie bailed us out. I went back to the bench, and my head was buried in my feet because I knew I was about to get ripped. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now, what we'll talk about the – I mean, we talked about Kel- Kenny a little bit, mm-hmm. but what was it like when uh, when Kelly went in to get his feet wet a little bit behind the bench and also for playing for T.O.? Yeah, so uh, starting with Kelly. Kelly actually coached us uh, for half the season, U14, when we went to Nationals with the team, and Kenny took over the second half of the season. So we already knew who he was, but, uh, you know, he, he's a, he was an intense coach uh, playing hockey his whole life and being quite a good hockey player. And he, he knew what it took to, uh, I guess, get the grit out of most guys. And uh, you'll have that. I, I imagine it's a little bit like um, Miracle where – uh, the coach says, oh, if you want a friend, go talk to Coach Craig. So Kelly came in a, a little bit more, I, w- I would say, a, a consultant. So, you know, he'd crack jokes, but in the same sense, they'd be a little caustic. So they, they'd be biting at you. If he chirped you, you'd be like, oh, that's funny. But in the same sense, what was I thinking? So he, he, had, a, he had a little bit of hand in there. And T.O., man, T.O. loved the fighting. I remember <laughs> uh, I got in a fight against the Junior Jacks, and I, I swear – he was the most jacked up person in the building that I got in a fight and he I don't know he loves the grit and he was always saying even sometimes in practice when you know some of our teammates you know we're, we're all like family but you know get under each other's skin a little he's like just go fight him just go fight him he always wanted to <laughs> yeah. see everybody fight he didn't care if it was six nothing or a two two game he said go fight someone I, I think T.O. was more of the coach that he had wanted us to instill fear in our teammates <laughs> and the other team. And he was all for the big open ice practice hits, like, you know, practice like you play. But during during games, he was he was like, you better get that guy in the end boards and run him through the wall because he just loved the physical aspect. I mean, 
we, we always weren't the most skilled team, but we were definitely the most hardworking. And again, a lot of that is attributed to Kenny, but Kelly as well. I mean, talk about a guy that is one of the most motivational people you ever play for. I, I just remember any point in time, I mean, that guy would go to war for us. We would go to war for him. He had some one-liners that I, I probably won't repeat on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But when we were growing up, we we're like, oh, man, like, like Mikey said, that was pretty rough and brutal chirp, but that had a lot of truth to it, so that kind of hurt. <laughs> but yeah. he was, he, you would run through the wall for that guy. No question. And, of course, you know, plus the, he's a guy that's played at the professional level, mm-hmm. you know, playing minor league hockey and things like that. So he knows how to he, – he, he knew what it took to get there. So, you know, and uh, you got – so it's a good, good voice to listen to. Uh, now, making the transition from juniors, uh, what was that like making the, the – after you were done there to uh, go to school? You're saying going to college? Yeah. Um, uh, it was. Well, it was either that or wood carpentry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> college was a route for me. Um, the the level of play I think was um, again, we're starting the the new fish in the pond. Right. There's people who have been in the ACHA for three, four, going on five years. So the, the, you know their experience. So it was almost like the same transition of going high school to juniors. You know, being the new kids on the team trying to find what what place we're going to play or what part we're going to play in the program. But I'd say as well, a little different and uh, maybe a little decline from my game was the ACHA was not as rough as Cherokee hockey. It was was not as gritty. It was not as mean. So, and, and because ACHA, you can't fight. So, you know, you couldn't necessarily go, you know, no, no deterrent for, cheap hits anything like that and you have a lot shorter of a season you're playing 22 games not 48 so if you fight and you're out two games a lot of times it's not worth it so the, the transition was uh you had to focus a lot more on skill and you definitely had to the line was a little thinner to walk on so uh that that i think that took a little from my game just being the fact that i like to get under guy skin i like to you know if i could rub off the goalie uh, you know, in the corner, if I could go by him and get a piece of him after he froze the puck. You know, I, I knew someone was coming after me in the other league. The only person coming after me in the ACHA was the ref. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good way to analogize it. I mean, I don't necessarily think the competition level was much different from league to league. I think maybe some of the more top-tier college teams that we were playing were probably – well, I don't even know. You, you think about a, like a Flint that we would play or like a Twin City. I mean, those teams had kids coming down from the N.A. that were pretty solid. So I think the competition level is probably the same. But like Mikey said, I mean, we got to college and uh, I mean, part part of the thing being Toledo hockey. I mean, it's, you know, Toledo against the world. All the refs hate us because half the time you got kids on your team yelling at the ref the whole game. You're like, dude, come on, just be quiet. You're going to get us like teed up or get a penalty for some reason. And Anytime you do anything that's even remotely close to a penalty, you're getting called for it because, uh, you know, your teammates are chirping the rest of the whole game. I think that's something pretty good that, that Kenny did a good job, um, you know, micromanaging. He, he held players accountable for sure all the time, whereas when we got to college, yeah, it was competitive and, and fun, but the same thing, you're, you're in college, so, you know, you're living the college experience as well. So, uh, you know, how are you going to tell a college player uh, – you know, hey, go do this, go do that, or you're going to get sat versus, 
you know, telling a junior kid who still wants to develop to the next level. Um, so it, it was just a different change of pace, change of competition level, change of buy-in from the teammate, teammates. I mean, not that our UT team wasn't, you know, good because we were and we had a lot of talent and worked hard. But uh, th there, was, there was no days off in the Cherokee where uh, Toledo was, I mean, we'd play a bad team, get lousy, and then the next game we'd play a good team and go down three or four nothing. And we were like, uh-oh, we better start playing. And that had never happened in the Cherokee. We were always ready to go. Well, you know, it's it's funny too. Uh, you talk about that kind of stuff. Um, now, did your, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, ability to prank or create laughs uh, get better as you went on with uh, at the collegiate level? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, again, when you play juniors. It's a lot of the stuff that you're playing with older guys, so you get a lot of cool experiences. But by the time that you're playing college hockey, I mean, everyone's in the ages of 20 to 25, so there's a lot more social and uh, emotional maturity at some points. But, I mean, uh, you know, when you're in juniors, can't go out to the bar or anything like that. When you're in college, I mean, again, work hard, play hard. We would have some great games and some big team wins, and then when the weekend's over, I mean, we're all in college, so we would go over and, you know, hang out with all of our friends after the game and just ha have a blast, we'll, we'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I think we learned, uh, again, on the Cherokee, a lot of it was business trip. And when you're playing at the junior level, you know, you're still playing for something. You're playing to get to the next level, the next level. You're hoping for the call-up. You're hoping for the D3 schools, the D1 schools, and get noticed so, you're, you know, your career's not over. Whereas uh, in for lack of a better term, you know, the, the end of the road, you know, after ACHA, unless you're one of the top guys, you're, you're, you're not going, if you're, if you're not, you know, rap born, Bane, you're not getting looks from guys like the walleye, you're, you're not making that connection, and there's, you know, Sunday night dropping that we go to now, that that's the league that we play in, so, uh, and, and, you know, being pretty self-aware when you're 19 20 years old of your skill level and your talent level and where you're at so i think the competitiveness of our team and, and it, it's we're not you're not playing the same teams four or eight times a year anymore you're playing a, a team in a home and home so there's no rivalries built up and you, you look at some of the teams you're beating 10 to nothing other teams you're going to have a really good game against and again you're not playing 48 games you're not in the rink all the time there's a lot more time uh, to, to focus on school and other things that I, I think that's what college is for, especially at the club level. Um, so I, I think the, the transition and the competition level is different. But from the prank side of things, yeah, you got a lot more free time with the guys. Everyone's 21. I don't think I learned what a leaner was uh, for all you young guys out there. Fill a water bucket and uh, put it on the someone's hotel room door so when they open the door up, all the water spills on their feet and their shoes. Well, the other thing, there's there's variations on the leaner. Oh, okay. Yeah, because when I when I I never got I was never a victim of the leaner. Okay. Now, thankfully, I mean, I may think maybe they felt sorry for me. They thought I was some <laughs> fat guy that, that you know just feel sorry for him. Don't do anything to him. But uh, the funny part was was uh, when and back in this tells you how old I am. Back in the day uh, when I was young, anyhow, uh, that they would take. Uh, then we go to different rooms and get a bunch of the glasses. If we stayed in a nice hotel, we'd get they'd get a bunch of the glasses and fill them and stack them. They'd stack them across and up high, and then they would leave them there. 
after bed check, after everybody did their business and stuff, and everyone was quote unquote supposedly in bed, uh, they would someone would go out stack them and like that, and they'd lean them. And, it, and usually it wasn't until the next early the next morning because we'd have to you know mandatory uh, meeting and breakfast. Mm-hmm. So usually that was when. <laughs> but of course, there were a few that did not want to wait till then. Sure. So they were going to yeah. sneak into another room and screw around and everything. So, open the door and bam, they got they got nailed. <laughs> yeah, our, ours were a lot more. Uh, our pranks were a lot more harmless. I remember when we were on UT. One of the things that we would used to do is uh, if the Cherokee played before us or after us, Mo would always leave out like the clear tape, and <laughs> all the players would put their spare sticks up on the wall behind the thing. And I knew who the rookies were <laughs> on the Cherokee. So when they were getting ready, before Mo would grab their stick, I would take their stick and put it back on the rack when I was walking to the UT <laughs> locker room because I knew Mo was going to rip someone for not having their spare out or like again there, there'd be like three rolls of clear tape and you hide them in your pocket for 20 minutes and Mo comes back out here and starts yelling at the other UT guys <laughs> and then five minutes later I'll put the rolls back out there so Mo sorry to antagonize you so much but <laughs> we, we had a lot of fun doing that yeah, yeah. little Mo yes he is I tell you he's a, I, he's he can't wait to get I see I how I do this is I I put a bunch I got 20 years of worth of people to you know, we do this with. So I put the names all in my my computer, and I have a software thing. It literally draws a name out of the hat. It's called draw out of, draw out of the hat. And so I do that. Mo has been peppering me to get, <laughs> get on here. Yeah, so we could talk. He's got, I'm probably. sure he's got stories. He's been there, you know, long before I was and long yeah. after I was. Yeah, so. yeah I think uh, I think the longest tenured person on the team because it would have been Omi, but Omi took like a long time in between. Mm-hmm. coaching stints the be, but uh it was me and doc oh doc yeah yeah doc has been doc. there quite He's a while awesome. too yeah. then brandy yeah i think and then uh, mo i think uh yeah. the four of us had the longest tenured time there and i think now it's it, it's got to be doc that's got to be the longest because he wasn't uh i got i brought i got asked him to you know come in and uh you know he was he was welcomed with open arms and we you know uh I know Mo was in there right in that same time frame also. So it's like it's like the two of them and then I think Brandy uh, coming in and stuff. Uh, I think that's I, I think those three are probably now the longest tenured. So, sure. But Definitely. I mean, because I did 20 years. So, um, oh. yeah. So that was uh, that was long. Yeah. Was a long time. But uh, now, uh, you know, when you finished playing uh, at at, at U of T, uh, what was the transition like going from that into the real world? That had to be quite a challenge for both of you. Yeah, and I, I think to add, I know we're talking about tenured people. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up SAP. But, uh, oh, gosh, when, yes. When, when, we, when we were playing Cherokee, and this will transition into the real world, um, you know, it, it was hard during school, hockey, to work. Uh, you, you know, you'd go to school 7.30 to 3, hockey practice at 4.30. Well, Sap was uh, super helpful. He'd, he'd let us uh, help him do stuff around the ice house, um, you know, employ us so we could have a little spending money because right when you go on the road trips, those $5 pizzas are good that we get. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, getting Gatorade and stuff. So so Sap, I think, was, you know, talking about tenure play a huge part in the organization. But uh, going back from the transition to uh, college to the real world, I think uh, some of the relationships that we made in the hockey world 
you know, communicating with your friends, your teammates, a lot of that transitions in the real, real world. And we see our friends going all these different ways. Um, you know, I know Dom Antonelli's out in New York now. Um, as I mentioned, we even started, you know, once the rivalry and the hatred isn't there anymore, Tyler Dalton from the Junior Jacks, we, we chatted with him. Um, but the, the transition is different. There's that, there's always that urge for, for competitive, I think. So wanting to get back on the ice all the time and may, maybe not missing the game as much, but, uh, just missing the environment of the locker room, just being there for two, three hours on end, hanging out with the guys, uh, you know, and, and all those little funny antics and jokes that add up and those funny, you know, tweaks and quirks in your life that you pick up over time from just hanging out. With, with the guys and I think some of that transitioning in, into you know our own life and our and our work life where you know if you see a hockey player out in the world you just automatically have that instant connection with them they're like oh you played hockey I played hockey too and now all of a sudden you guys are friends so I think um, the transition from hockey to school or school to hockey it was it, it was fine uh, I think we were both academically eligible for every single portion of our life so yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think it was an easy transition we had a good idea where we were heading uh but the you know mi missing that uh locker room with, with, with the guys hanging out all the time i think that's the the biggest thing that yeah the, was the hardest transition i would say yeah the hardest thing is just having the camaraderie with the boys all the time i mean like mikey said these are some of the best relationships we've ever formed i mean like blake mullins tristan schneider are two of the younger guys that we had played with, but again, you know, Kyler Omi, Dunks, uh, Fody, all the older guys, uh, just great guys to be around, hung out with them all the time. I mean, you think about it, we played junior hockey for two years, but uh, we're around for much longer than that, called three years, we're 24 years old right now. I mean, that's 10% of our life that these guys were a part of, and now we see them around town. It's like seeing an old friend in a long time, and you just share so many connections and stories with those guys, it's awesome, but think the biggest uh, challenge moving from you know being done playing back into the the real world is just the competitiveness of you know hockey players you don't lose that competitive drive you just got to channel it into something else and that's why when you see us out there on Sunday night dropping you know we're the, we're the guys that are showing off for the Zamboni driver with no no <laughs> fans because we got to get our lick in of the competitiveness you know you know black uh, uh whatever jersey squad that we're wearing is definitely going to be beating the other one because you don't want to lose and drop in yeah. Well, I was going to say that's probably where you get your fix when you, when you don't <laughs> yeah. play anymore. But who uh, who plays that you can remember from the Cherokee that play now on your drop-in? Dunks comes out a lot. Yeah, Snyder Dunks. was coming out for a while. Go Goopal played. Yeah, Goops. Graham, yeah, yeah, Graham Goopal played. Um, Verby, Verboski. Yeah. Nicky. Yeah, mm. old Nick. Oh, man, I hate him and dropping. He never gets off the ice. Yeah, He's got he iron lungs. <laughs> <laughs> He's still in shape compared yeah. to the rest of us. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys that came out there before, and it's cool now because we'd see some of the younger Cherokee players even today. I mean, it's funny. The I, I moved up to Temperance uh, earlier this year, and I live in the same neighborhood as uh, Stelmo Zax. Oh, Stelmo. So, yeah, okay. we used to play in spring league with him all the time, and it's, it's cool to see guys like him grow or – I mean, there's just so many, so many of the younger guys that we're watching on a Cherokee, like Tyler Fredericks. We used to coach him. I don't think he's there anymore, but uh, it's just a cool transition to see like all these younger guys that you know probably looked up to us, like we had looked up to other Cherokee players when we were young. It's pretty cool to see. Man, that's awesome. Now, um, looking looking at this from a standpoint of now that you've got the opportunity to look back. Uh, 
Would you change anything? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot that I change. Hindsight's 2020. Um, fr- from the hockey aspect, I think, you know, going back when coaches are, did you give 100% today? Did you give 100% today? You know, in your mind, you're like, oh, yeah, coach, I gave it my all. But I think my biggest regret would have been going back and, and working harder, right? I, and, you know, like they say, hindsight's 2020. In a sense, I w- none of the experiences, anything that I've went through, I would have changed. It made me who I am today. But, uh, you know, it, it certainly if I could go back and, and change how hard I worked, how much time and effort I, I put into a lot of these things, you know, maybe I'd still be playing hockey today and at a competitive level. So um, that, that'd probably be the only regret, uh, only regret. And maybe, may, who knows, maybe I did give it all, my all, maybe I didn't. Um, but from the experiences the, and all the things I did, no. Uh, made a lot of good relationships, still got a lot of good friends. Uh, still love hockey. I think that's one big important thing. A lot of times when people get out of the game, they don't play it much anymore. I love now that I'm you know over 21, going back and watching a Cherokee game and going and see Kolb in the bar, grabbing <laughs> grabbing a beer in there, seeing all the old faces that I know, um, and even working in w- with my mom who trains a lot of the younger Cherokee teams, working out and stuff, and still being ingrained in the organization. I think. Uh, None of the experiences uh, would change. Just working harder. If I could have been better at hockey, yeah, yeah. my life would have been easier if I was on the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Going back, it always makes me think of. I would not have curated my experiences for the world, but do I regret things? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just like Mikey said, it's probably giving it your all, one hundred percent, leaving it out on the ice. Whether it was, you know, a nutritional standpoint, uh, did I skate as hard as I could? Did I finish that check? Did I? back check as hard as I could that shift am I focusing on my game outside of it or even all the way to you know working out at EAO sports with the team uh, because again when you're in juniors it's not just you know play hockey it's like a lifestyle you have to adjust to all the things that you do you're not just committing to play hockey you're committing to being better being part of a team so we would work out with uh, Jonesy over there all the time and he definitely helped a ton with the mindset but you look back on it all and you're like man it feels like you might still have some left in the tank and uh, again it just comes back to the competitive drive I don't think you ever lose it and you just you just you think about it but I think the unique thing is we can always transition the passion that we have right now back to giving back to the hockey community uh, you know maybe not quite yet in the future but you know thinking about coaching you know helping out with teams running clinics things of that nature so uh, that that would always be a, a good time to give back and uh, probably always going to be part of the Toledo hockey community for sure. I was going to say that leads to my next question. Do you, I guess you kind of tipped on it, but I'll ask Mike here a little bit more. You see yourself coaching anytime soon, or would you like to? Yeah, uh, soon, definitely. I don't know how soon. Um, getting back on the game uh, again, skill level. Maybe I, you know, could have been better, but I think. Uh, knowledge on the game I, I think there's a ton that I have to give to some of these younger guys and uh, I love to see you know even talking about guys like the Stelmazaks and the Cherokee organization we've seen them since since they were little and watching them grow up and play and go elsewhere I think having the ability to mentor some of these younger guys teaching them to skate teaching them the ropes uh, I would love to at some point uh, maybe not in the you know, next six months, but certainly in the next couple of years as I'm, you know, established in my life. Uh, I know Juddy, 
he, he's got a couple teams out there. I know Kelly. We, we've been in the coaching world a little bit with Kelly and, uh, you know, helping him out with his teams every now and again. And then my dad was coaching the pre-post teams for a while, so uh, we, we'd help out with that. But I think uh, definitely love to get back into it at some point. You know, um, talk just a minute about your dad. What, uh, obviously, you know, the stories you could tell about him, how strong an influence <laughs> he was on you guys. Because, oh, uh, th- I mean, that guy, um, I can't begin to tell you what it meant to me on a personal level uh, because of my dealing with cancer. And, sure. it's, and it's the way, unfortunately, it's what took him, but... You know, it's, it's, we had. It's like you talk about with players, hockey players. When mm-hmm. you find out another guy was a hockey player played hockey, it's kind of like that in the cancer world. Sure, sure. You know, when Definitely. you go, when someone's going through that struggle, that you can talk about it, but no one no, really knows what it's like unless you've been there. Definitely. And stuff. And again, uh, you know, as someone who's lost his dad too, I mean, mm. I can again. That's a fraternity that other people can talk about it. But other people really don't get it unless you've gone through it. Yeah, it, it makes me laugh. He was our, our biggest critic, but definitely our biggest supporter. Anytime after a game, no matter how good or bad we played, hey, great game, guys. You worked hard out there. Like, get back after it tomorrow, whatever. Uh, my, most, my, my favorite memory, though, of just, like, of life lessons that he would teach you was when we were growing up as kids playing for Monroe Icehawks, uh, uh, guys like Shane Hughes were on our team, Elijah Owens. Brennan Campbell, a lot of our good friends still today. Uh, we, we were like for Double A hockey. We were pretty uh, again trying to be humble. We were pretty good players, and I just remember this one shift. I came off the ice, and I was out there hot dogging, lollygagging, and I remember my dad. We would call him Coach Steve all the time. Came down the bench and grabbed me by my face mask, and just looked at me. and goes, he's just in disgust. He goes, "What the hell are you doing out there?" And I'm like, "Oh man." I messed up, <laughs> and, and he just looks at us in disgust, and he has his water bottle, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, coach, sorry, like bad shift. <laughs> he walked down the bench, <laughs> turned around, spiked the water bottle at us, and just like profanity coming out, and like that was our first like lesson of like accountability and just like owning up to your actions of, hey, did I, <laughs> did I do well that shift or not? And <laughs> I think it, I think it took a lot of, uh, into effect of our character today of just learning how to one hold yourself accountable, but two be a good person. Like again, uh, life's hard enough of itself. You come off a bad shift or a bad game. Hey, great game! Just the biggest supporter was always there. Ne- <laughs> never missed a game. So uh, definitely will cherish all those moments and all those long drives that we had with him uh, throughout our hockey career. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, Dom hit the nail on the head. Accountability, a huge thing, you know, through hockey and through life that that we learned through him. And, you know, he's definitely like you. I know you mentioned kind of that brotherhood and that fraternity. I think, uh, you know, you guys both fighters. So I think he just taught us that, you know, and it reflected a little bit in our play, that gritty, you know, get dirty kind of hockey, you know, game. So uh, a a lot of good memories. And I I think one of the things that, that I always replay in my mind a lot is, uh, you know, we couldn't drive yet, and we were coming up through whether it was Bedford hockey or uh, Cherokee hockey, and he'd drop us off at the rink because we were right up the road. He'd, the last thing he'd say right before we leave the car, play like a beast today. So, you know, every, every game I remember him saying that, play like a beast today. But uh, to add a funny story on that, he was, uh, you know, a great guy, you know, 
obviously loved us and supported us and, and that's why he coached us for years and years but uh uh, you know, sometimes when we'd win, we'd get a little, uh, you know, snack on the way home, like Wendy's, etc. If we're up in Detroit, need something on the way home. And uh, Dom and I were like, oh, that number six looks good. We want a spicy chicken filet. And we kept saying filet, filet. <laughs> and my dad said, uh, well, I'll take uh, two spicy chicken fillets. And me and Dom threw a fit. We had to be eight or nine years old because we're like, we want the filet. We want the filet. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, that's funny. I, I think, you know, him teaching us a lot of discipline a lot of accountability um and you know he, he wasn't afraid to let us know again the story of throwing the water bottle of our shortcomings and when he was displeased but in the same sense he'd be the first person to say hey you did a good job there that's all you can ask is for uh, it, what uh he, it, it kind of proves the old adage it's not about seeing through each other it's about seeing each other through yep and mm-hmm. he lived it so he lived it, and it, and it shows because of the two guys sitting across the table from me. I well, appreciate that. Yeah, you know. So um, before before we go, um, is there any, if there's any questions you have about anything in regards to anything that happened in the Cherokee organization that you might not remember necessarily? Because I always I always have folks if they have a question for me to ask me, and the two things I usually get the most are how'd you get your start. And also, uh, words, uh, some of the, um, you know, the, they'll ask me things specific to uh, certain eras of their team and stuff and other and compared to other eras and stuff. So I just, uh, you know, so those things I pretty much have already done. But uh, if there's anything you can think of or if you want to know about a funny story or anything goofy, um, tell me about if you have one, go ahead. Yeah. And then otherwise, just uh, tell me, too, about uh couple of the other uh, unsung guys that you remember playing with yeah I got, I got a good question for you maybe this goes along with unsung guys but uh this will be a two-parter who is the person that you saw them playing in the Cherokee organization you're like man that kid's really got it he's gonna go places playing hockey and who's the guy that you're like I can't believe that guy made it somewhere when I saw him <laughs> playing at the Cherokee and if you if you you know if you want to throw time arrows out there or if you can't if you get in trouble by saying you know point some people out and maybe start a little uh Rivalry on the, yeah, yeah, when their name comes up in the generator and they okay. get in here, they can uh, listen they, to this one. Yeah, and they go, all right, that, 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 <laughs> that, by the way, that was Mike Pisani, okay, just so you know. <laughs> anyway, but uh, no, I'd probably say uh, there was a, there were a couple of guys I thought, I mean, as the farther back you go, I think is where you see that being more the case, and I'm not saying there's a slight to anybody later. Sure, sure. This, it's only, be, I only say it because there were fewer leagues back then. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of the guys that played Junior B with the Toledo Cherokee back in the, the old Central States Hockey League days could play, have easily played, transitioned and played in today's North American League or in some cases even the USHL. Okay, they, could, they, they were that good. Mm-hmm. It's just that back then there weren't anywhere near as many teams as there are now. I mean, hockey has exploded now. So... Uh, with uh, again, I don't mean this to sound detrimental because I think that a lot of the players today are faster, bigger, uh, stronger, that, you know, things like that. But it's also a, because of the number of teams being spread from coast to coast. It's a slightly more watered down product, but the guys that could play really well are guys that could play really well, and don't matter the era. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, and I'm not saying this, I mean, I'll say this behind your back, including in front of you. Sure. You guys could play 
in today's, uh, well, now it's the USPHL, but you guys could play at the next level. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's if, if you guys were, with the level that you were at when you were 18, 19, 20 years old, uh, could transition in today's game. Sure. I, sure. I think it's point in case even when we went from year one to year two in the, the NA3. And it's funny that you said the CSHL. Uh, we have a buddy, Pete Wachaki, that we played with on the, the uh, Toledo Rockets, who was part of Metro when they were in the C show still. So yep. he always gives us crap because he's like, all oh, you youngins played in the NA3. I played in the C show and is uh, comical. But, uh, yeah, I think the, the saving grace of that in today's world is hockey's expanding and becoming a much bigger sport across the United States, which is awesome to see. And, you know, all these young kids having the opportunity of things that we had and just creating those experiences for themselves. But my biggest question for you was, who is the best fighter to come through the Cherokee organization? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> that's not even that's not even fair. Um, I mean, if it was of really big guys, uh, Ryan Wall, who played just before you guys did, he was from Florida. And this, this guy, I mean... I, I almost half expect to see him on America's Most Wanted. <laughs> when I mean, just in terms of his ability, that's how good of a fighter he was. But I could sit here and tell you stories all night. We'd need another hour to go with some <laughs> sure, of the fight. Because sure. uh, Dan Mays Jr., who is now coaching, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, he just left um, – he just left the Thunder of uh, the college in Indiana. I can't remember. He just took another job. Uh, anyway, Dan Mays played for us back around 2000, 2001. Un the most unassuming kid you would ever. You wouldn't even realize he was a hockey player. If you looked at him walking down the street, he is that nondescript. Most quiet, respectful, nice. I mean, if I ever had a kid, I want him to be like him. That's awesome. This guy could light you up like nobody's business he just had he had the hands to do it and uh we had another kid that that uh fought he didn't fight that often he was when he first i think i i don't think i told the story on the podcast yet but his name was uh anthony pomponio antonio pomponio his dad worked for a construction company that helped build the locker room in detroit and the red wings in the old joe lewis matter of fact they when they were uh, they were taking out the old locker room and I don't know if it was they were putting it in the new not in uh, Little Caesars but I think they were putting in a new locker room into into the Joe and so they took the old one and they put it at the ice house and stuff but it was too big to fit in so they had to make some adjustments and stuff well anyway um, Anthony was 15 years old when he came to, when came to us he was going to turn 16 at the, in the early part of the season his first fight. He was a, like he was not even six foot. He was not. E I'd say maybe 145, 50 pounds. Oh my gosh, little yeah. guy. Yeah. Well, he. I mean, he was just average height. You know, he was probably that, maybe that, that five, eight, nine, ten. That, that's the guy you'd pick a fight with because you're like, oh man, <laughs> that's, I'm gonna. That's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened. We were we were playing out at Tam O'Shanter still, and uh, so it was probably around 2000. I'm guessing. Anyway. We play, we're playing Columbus. They were the crush back then. And the guy who was the quote-unquote heavyweight of the fighters, and he was supposed to be like the best fighter in the CSHL, 20-year-old overager, right, challenges Pomponio to a fight. 
and Omi's going nuts. Don't. No. No. Well, Pomponio, he's, you know, he's a uh, new Boston, Michigan kid, says, okay, drops the gloves. And everyone's expecting, oh, my God, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> it's a one-punch fight. Wow. Pomponio drops him. Wow. Lightning fast hand, hits him right in the face, catches him, breaks his orbital bone, uh, his nose, and I'm trying to think of what else. I think maybe his cheekbone. Wow. All with one punch. And then the, the kid is knocked out. He falls to the ice, lands on his arm wrong, and breaks his wrist. Jeez. Oh. All with one punch. Holy smokes. Wow. And like I said, the kid wasn't even 16 yet. And uh, he was so, you know, you've got guys like that. And then you've got Kyle Haberlin, who played in that era, uh, maybe a couple of years later, uh, who uh, this kid, he was 16 years old. We had a, a, a line brawl, I think it was, in Peoria. And he was beating the snot out of two 19-year-olds, 19, a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old. At the same time, he's fighting two on <laughs> one, and he was beating them both up. And, and he was a 16-year-old. He went on. He went on to the military and stuff. So you know, he uh, he lives, I think, out in Arizona or something. Anyway, he was just a he was a baby bull. He was. Yeah. So he was just a bull. And uh, then you got guys like Brett Lincoln who came around later. Uh, now to into your eras. Um, oh boy, I'm trying to remember some of the tough guys that were uh, on your team. Um, I don't know. Dunks was a wild man. I yeah, know that. Dunks would fight anyone. Yeah, he wasn't <laughs> he, afraid he, he, to. I think he fought Straub one time. I think he did too. I think Bogey was probably the best fighter uh, of our. Oh yeah. On your team, yeah. 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 I would, I would say in your, in your team, yes. On your team, definitely. Bogey was a, he was a, well, he was a big boy. He played football. Yeah. So he's got the, you know, the physical physicality to do those things and stuff. But I mean, we had a lot of guys that were small. I mean, I talked about Tony Pomponi being like, Bart Reeves, who, oh, my God, this you would have loved him. He was like a couple fries short of a Happy Meal. He's a great <laughs> guy now, family man, the whole nine yards, great guy, you know. But uh, back then, he was, he, was, uh, he was a respectful kid, but he just played like a loose cannon. He was not afraid of anybody. I mean, no, and he was not, I have to say he was maybe 5'8", uh, maybe a buck 40, and uh, uh, just a like I say, a little guy, quote unquote, average height, you know, walking down the street. But in hockey, he was a little guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this guy, I'm not kidding. People were afraid to. They, he got to the point where people were afraid to fight him. He was that brutal. He would destroy people. Yeah, word gets around. That that's the guy that you go up and hit, and like you get a clean, open ice check on him, and he doesn't fall, and he like takes the wind out of you, and you go back to the bench. You're like, yeah, guys, don't hit that guy. Just like. You know, steer steer him to the wall so he dumps the puck. <laughs> no, yeah. So I mean, there are different. I could go. I could just rattle off names um, that we had of guys that could fight easily. You know, probably the early guys that really put the fear when I first started were guys like Casey Welch, uh, J.D. Ring. Oh my God, those guys were. Ooh, you, I mean, you didn't want to see them like on the bus, let alone on yeah. the ice. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know stuff like that. Uh, we had guys, you know, like I said, just up and down the the, oh, the whole pike. Now, of course, as far as you asked about guys that you know, you thought, wow, those guys can make it. The one I always thought because he was so quiet, but my God, did he ever have a shot for a, for a cannon for a shot? Was Phil Roke? 
and he played. He ended up playing for the Walleye for a while. Well, he sure did make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he, Phil's up in our neck of the woods, up in Bedford now. Yeah, yeah. He, as a matter good, of fact, I had him a few podcasts ago. Yep. Yeah, right here. So. He's good buddies with uh, one of our coworkers. So yeah, he's yeah he's a great guy. But I tell you, you know the funny thing is, when he played for the Cherokee, I had him on. We used to do a coaches show, me and Ohms, and we did it at this other bar and restaurant place, and they always would give us steak dinners for coming and doing it there. And, you know, some of the players would try to sneak a few of their buddies in there so they could get, <laughs> get something right, to eat. Right, but but uh, anyway, I had Phil on there one time, and I am not kidding. You thought if, you, if, I told, if I could paint the picture as to how nervous he was and scared <laughs> to be doing an interview, That's he was hilarious. just, I mean, he was just literally close to shaking. He was so nervous and scared. He was just like, <laughs> and he told me, he's like, I'm scared, I'm nervous, I just, I'm not used to a microphone. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I go, it's just you, me, and this deck, this recording deck. I said, just relax. And he, he it, it was like pulling teeth. It was like pulling teeth to get him to say anything. <laughs> and, of wow. course, then uh, all these years later now, we're sitting over here at this table doing an uh, interview, and he's over there, yeah, for sure, you know, that, blah, blah, and just going on <laughs> and on and on. And I'm just like, I love this. That's, that's the awesome, one thing. Man. And that's the one thing I love. I love seeing the guys where they were, you know, and things. And sometimes, I mean, there were guys who I'll be, I'll admit, they kind of rubbed me the wrong way because of the, their attitude or the way they would uh, – they, they weren't necessarily always the best teammate. They mm, would, you know, sure. rip somebody behind their back or something like that. And I'm like, okay, I realize that's the human condition. We all have done that and stuff. But still, you know, you don't like that. And sometimes you'll see that and you'll think, okay, that guy. Uh, and then you see them later on and you realize they're just human. And then they end up becoming really wonderful people, mm-hmm. you know. And that's, I think that's the thing I like most. Is I like seeing the, the the maturation of, of a of a kid you know from being because you got you you forget that they're 16 17 year old kids and then when they're now you know 20 30 and now some cases for me seeing 40 year old guys you know there are now uh you, you know you see the maturation you see what they've done i mean yeah some of them have got these big fancy titles on their business cards and stuff and that's great but i'm more i'm to me it's more important about you know the fact that they're good people they're taking care of their families they're showing the love to teaching their kids you know right from wrong and also giving back to the game teaching them about the game that they grew up with and stuff and i think you know and and, and that to me is much more important much more uh it means a lot more to me than i guess any of the other stuff and like i said I can see it in you guys because I can see, number one, the impact uh, that O Steve-O would be so proud, and I know he is, mm-hmm. uh, but also the fact that he is the guy that also, um, like I said, he is the guy that uh, reached out to me in one of my darkest times and helped me see things a little bit different. He reached out to me on Facebook just, I mean, literally like a month before he left us and Definitely. was uh, was able to uh, you know give me some a, a little bit of hope there. And awesome. so I can't say enough about the man. And then, of course, to see you guys the way you are now, the way you conduct yourselves, the way you guys are, are really good, rock-solid citizens, um, that's not only a tribute to him, but it's also the fact that you guys, your maturation process. So, you know, t- I tip my hat to both of you. So, well, that's going to do it from here at the Chateau. Any last thing you guys want to throw out there before I call it a show? I was going to say thanks for having us out here. I, I love listening, and it's fun to hear all the old stories and reminisce about uh some good times in our life so thanks hey. for having us yeah i uh, appreciate appreciate it. it was good catching up glad yep. we got to do this glad, so, glad our, our name came up in the hat 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, it wasn't. I don't. I can't see. It's hard. I can't play favorites. Uh, yeah. No more complaining, Mo. You hear that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's. Uh, I uh, I gotta get a monsoon. Yeah, I, got, I might have to manipulate. Yeah, that you might have to. You might have to. Yeah. Have to because I'm sure. Of course, then I have to also have the seven second delay button. You know, <laughs> if I know Mo, oh. but. Uh, Ah, that's what makes Momo. I love him to death. So, anyway, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We thank you for hanging out with us here We're, as we came to you from the Chateau Louise Bar and Restaurant. Be sure to get out here and have a couple of wet, uh, wet ones, and uh, be sure to grab a great meal out here, whether you're a seafood person, a steak person, or if you're like me, you, you prefer the poultry. By all means, get out here and enjoy some food. They've got some great food, great drinks, and just a good time all the way around right here down on the shores of Lake Erie just a stone's throw from here and uh, i tell you we can't say good enough about them we thank them for letting us come in here and do this each and every time that we do the local folks coming in here and uh, again be sure to give us a follow on twitter at radio cheap seats and of course uh, be sure to uh to stick around and tune in for the next cherokee rewind episode we drop them every wednesday and saturday of course this being the wednesday edition we appreciate it and we'll talk to you again next time for dominic and michael pisani i'm mick saying so long and we will talk to you again next time as you've been listening to cherokee rewind